Hello, hello, hello! Thank you for joining me for another Sunday Afternoons with Reverend Lucretia. I'm so glad you're here. And if this is your first time visiting this channel, welcome! I'm so glad you have joined us. So the name of today's talk is Just Taken Action, and the song is Ease On Down the Road by The Wiz. And we're going to be talking a lot about procrastination and how we get in our own ways. We're going to be talking about why don't we get started when we have something that we need to do and we're not doing it. Why don't we? Is it fear or anxiety or a feeling of being overwhelmed? Is the task too big? Or do we feel that we don't have enough time or we don't have enough money? Or is there just an unwillingness to change? And we know once we start this new adventure, we're going to have to change who we are. What is it that makes us procrastinate? procrastinate. It's actually a form of self-torture for me when I know that there's something that I need to do and it's hanging over my head and every single day I don't do it, it just gets worse. It makes me miserable. There are actually different kinds of procrastination. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about getting started before you have all the answers. Sometimes the only way to learn something is just by doing it. We're going to be talking about putting things off into the future and that there is no future tense in the eternal now, that there is nothing futuristic about our one with God. We're going to be talking about the fact that all demonstrations come from us manifesting God's idea, which is always in the present and not in the future. We will be learning from the teachings of Butterworth. We will be looking at scripture. We will be listening to Evan Carmichael, Mel Robbins, and Robin Sharma's quotations on how to avoid procrastination. I chose this song because I like the concept of easing on down the road when we're taking steps to move forward. They had no idea where they were going. It's from the Wiz. I'm sure you know the story. So they had no idea where they were going. They had no idea how they were going to get there. They were ha having to go way out of their comfort zone. The scarecrow actually had to get off of his pole. So before we go any further, let me just go ahead and read some of the lyrics so you can understand why it is so perfect when we're talking about procrastination. It says, come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Don't you carry nothing that might be a load. Come on and ease on down the road. Pick your left foot up when your right foot's down. Come on, legs, keep moving. Don't you lose no ground. You just keep on keeping on the road that you choose. Don't you give up walking because you gave up your shoes. Because there may be times when you think you lost your mind and the steps you're taking leave you three or four steps behind. But the road you're walking might be long sometimes. You just keep on stepping and you'll be just fine. So we're going to talk a lot a bit about that. So the first one that I want to talk about is an article I found called Just Take an Action, and it's by Matt McIver. And he's talking about the fact that moving forward is not about motivation. It's not about having these great ideas. It's about actually doing something that you have to start somewhere. Sometimes you can't learn without doing. There is a cycle of action and preparation, and sometimes you have to start before you're ready. And you just start. You go on doing whatever you have to do to achieve whatever it is that you want. So, you know, he reminds us that Sir Isaac Newton said one of the laws of physics is you don't do anything, you stay in the state you're in. So he talks about two terrifying areas of his life that he jumped into that he totally wasn't prepared for. The first was the opening of the Des Moines Social Club. He wasn't ready for that. He said, if I had waited until I started, it never would have happened. That is a multidisciplinary arts venue. It 
mission is to bring together diverse communities using the arts. And the second most terrifying thing he ever did was to start a family and raise two kids. He said he wasn't prepared for that at all either, and he never would have done that if he had waited until he was prepared. So he talks about the fact that there are four lenses that we see life through. They've been called different things by different philosophers and different psychologists. They've been around for centuries. We all have all four different lenses, and we use them at different points in time. We rely on them on each lens at different points when they are useful for us. The lens have been called by different names, but he gives them names related to specialists. So he says the first is the relationship specialist, and those people are feelers. They like one-to-one interactions. They are people pleasers, and they are conflicts avoiders. The second is achievement specialists. These are the get-it-done people. They are into rules and authority and loyalty and duty. The third are the process specialists, and these are the thinkers and analyzers. They are highly competent. They work alone, and they correct to a fault. The fourth is the social specialist. These are filled with fun and excitement. They work in groups. They are competitive. They work hard and they play hard. And he reminds us when he talks about the people that are perfectionists and they're constantly having to correct themselves. If you're always having to be right and to know in advance that you're going to be right, you won't try something new very often and you won't create something that's never been seen before. You won't go places that you've never gone to before. So we're going to be focusing mostly on the achievement specialists. David Allen says that one way to create security is don't worry about screwing up. There is a vital component to getting ahead, and that is letting go of the fear. Get control of the building in January, and then they started to open the front doors in March, actually March 6th, so only about 10 weeks after they got control of the building. And it was just himself and his partner, and there were a bunch of volunteers that helped. They got donations from all over. In this space, they created a theater, an art space, a gallery. They had a huge, big fundraiser, so they set up a banquet space as well for food for thought fundraiser. He said, none of us were architects. We didn't know what we were doing. We had volunteers and a lot of the volunteers were able to help and they had some experience. They got started collectively. And he said that was a key to it, that they all moved through this together. The center is a place for people to go do things they've never done before, see things they've never seen before, take classes they've ever had the chance to take before. Uh, People came to live their dreams, to be able to explore their creative selves in ways that they've never done before. So there are certain things that you can only learn by doing, he reminds us, and that this whole center got started based on that premise. So Aristotle said, for the things we have to learn before we can do them, we learn them by doing them. So he also put up on the screen during his talk this picture of himself getting married to his wife, and he says that's the happiest day of his life. And he says it's the only thing that you can do that you have to do by learning the experience, having the experience instead of learning in advance, having that marriage relationship. So he actually went forward after he got married and started a family. They had two kids, but before he raised these kids, he said he was scared and nervous, and his wife gave him a present. The book that she gave him was called Matthew McIver and Fatherhood, The Evidence Thus Far. And what she did was she got all of his friends and family to write little quotes about what a great father they thought he would be, and this gave him some confidence that he was going to actually be able to do this. He said he couldn't have done any of it if he was waiting to learn how. 
how. You have to learn by doing. Don't just act or prepare, do both. And then more preparing and then more acting. And you get to a place eventually called Kaizen. And Kaizen is a Japanese word for the thought of continual improvement, that you're on a journey where you're continually improving and striving to get better. So there's an action preparation cycle. You start and you keep going. If you never give up, you're never going to get anywhere. So he reminds us of the words of John Wooden, who said, when you approve a little bit each day, eventually big things occur. Don't look for big, quick improvement. Instead, seek small improvement one day at a time. That's the only way it happens. And when it happens, it lasts. He also refers to Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, which I highly recommend. Uh, he talks in there about the concepts of the flywheel, that you don't make it all at once. It's one step at a time. You build momentum. And again, Isaac Newton refers us to the fact that when you build momentum, that starts by you putting in the effort. And the more effort you put in, the more momentum you get. So again, he reminds us of Tony Robbins, another great inspirational speaker who says that you take one small action today. That's what's necessary to get started. So I also found this really funny talk about uh, procrastination by Tim Urban called Inside the Mind of a Master Procrastinator. And he says that when he was in college, he was a government major and he had to write lots of papers. He wanted to spread them out of time. He wanted to do a little bit every single day and then get there. But he said it never happened that way. It always ended up being the day before. And then it was crunch time. And then the paper came along and he had to do it all in that one single day. He said it really became a problem when he had to write his senior thesis, which was 90 pages. So he wrote out this plan. He broke the year into quarters. He had a year to write it. And in the first quarter, he would just do a little bit every day. And the second quarter, he'd step it up. And the third quarter, he'd step it even more up. And then by the fourth quarter, he'd be chugging along and he'd be really into working hard. Well, the first quarter came and he hadn't done anything. The second quarter came and hadn't done anything. So he wrote a new plan for how to do it in six months. And he, he said, we'll do it like stair steps. He said, can't be that hard. You just walk up the stairs. So he had this plan to just do a little bit every single day to get up there. Um, and he just said he just couldn't get the stuff done. Two months came and he hadn't started. One month came and he hadn't started. Two weeks came and he hadn't started and finally it got to be three days before it was due. He built two overnighters. He worked 48 hours straight and he was able to write the 90-page thesis um, and it was very, very, very bad. He got called into the dean's office and it was actually a very big effort that went nowhere. Um, and so he talked about the brain of a procrastinator. He says he believes that the brain of procrastinators may be different from those who are non-procrastinators. He says he feels that there's two kinds of people and the non-procrastinator has a rational decision maker brain versus the instant gratification monkey. So the two forces are always fighting each other. The instant gratification is constantly finding other ways to spend time than working. The instant gratification monkey lives entirely in the present, no memory of the past, no thought of the future only cares about two things, easy and fun. Meanwhile, the rational decision maker visualizes the future, sees the big picture, makes long-term plans, wants us to do whatever makes sense for us to be doing now. The instant gratification monkey is an easy, fun world. There is no sense in it at all, no sense of what to do. It is a dark playground. He said all procrastinators will understand what that dark playground is like, where leisure activities are being done all the time when you're supposed to be doing work. He said, but it's actually not fun at all. The air is filled with guilt and dread and self-hatred. But 
the procrastinator has a guardian angel and the guardian angel is called the panic monster this is dormant most of the time but it wakes up when there's a deadline public embarrassment career disaster and it is the only thing that the monkey is terrified of the panic monster scares off the instant gratification monkey and then the rational decision maker starts working and moves in it's never never pretty but the stuff does get done so he started to write a blog because he came very curious about why is it that some people can't get things done when they want to and other people can't. And he wrote a blog called Wait, But Why? And then he started getting responses from all around the world. And he said that they were not light and funny like his words. They were actually very, very intense frustration about what the procrastination had done to these people's lives. And what he came to understand is that there's two kinds of procrastination. There's one where there's a deadline and there's two where there's no deadline. There are lots of life situations where there are no deadlines, things like taking care of yourself. There's no deadline for that, for taking care of your health, taking care of your relationship, working on your marriage, working on your family. There is no panic monster. The effects of the procrastination extend outward forever. It is much less visible and less talked about. He says what he finds is that these people suffered quietly and privately, but it is a source of a huge amount of long-term happiness, this procrastination habit that they have. There's a frustration not able to achieve their dreams, not even to able start chasing them. He had this big epiphany, though, after he studied this and got all of these answers. He had the blog for several years, and what he came to understand is there's not two different kinds of people that were all procrastinators. It's just that some people make a bigger mess of it than others. And what he says is you need to be really, really careful and really, really mindful. What is it that you are procrastinating on? You need to stay aware of your instant gratification monkey. Maybe we should start working on it today or you know, sometime soon. Very, very funny. Very, very funny. So we're going to talk about the fact that we sometimes don't start something because we feel stuck. And so we're going to be talking about mostly the work of Mel Robbins, but also Evan Carmichael. I'll throw a couple of other key players in there as well. But we'll start with Mel Robbins, who says that feeling stuck triggers thoughts to be negative. It's a, a feeling inside of your body. You get trapped in your thinking patterns in your head. Feeling stuck is a signal from your soul and from your heart that you need growth. One of the most fundamental needs of all human beings is to feel like you are growing. When you are stopped growing in your life, in your job, in your relationship, you're going to feel stuck. Ask yourself as a way to break out of this, what am I curious about? What would I like to learn? What new thing could I use as a way to get myself out of this feeling of being stuck? What could I do to expand my mind and my life? All that feeling stuck means is there's a fundamental requirement for you, the need to grow, which is missing. He, she says, be deliberate about growth. Sign up for classes, listen to podcasts, read a book, meet new people. If you need to, go to therapy. You can take online courses. What's one action that you could do today that would help you grow? Your brain keeps growing your entire time you're alive. So we've talked about neuroplasticity before. That is the biological, physiological fact that your brain is able to learn new things for your entire lifetime. You can grow every single day. She talks about using journaling as a way to focus on things that matter to you, that you would like to change. Shrink yourself down to something you would actually do. Ten minutes a day, not an hour. So a lot of people get on this, you know, 
pick where they want to change and they want they're real motivated and they pick way too big uh, a task for them to start with she says stop dreaming and start doing most people are thinking way too big they get trapped in their head with the bigness and that's what's stopping them go back to curiosity and less into crushing your goals you have to be willing to start the only way to beat procrastination is to create a starting ritual Research shows if you can push yourself to get started, you're likely to keep going. It's good to have a big dream that motivates you, but sometimes you think it's too scary. You can't do this. You don't have enough money. You have to go out and raise capital. And so you put up all these roadblocks in the way and you don't actually ever start. Having a big dream is what's the most immediate thing in your mind, but you have to find out what can I do one thing today to make it come true? How can I make progress? Break it down into bite-sized chunks. Companies, dreams, goals are all achieved one little tiny step at a time. When you get the idea, find some way to test it out on a small scale immediately today. Find a way to start right now. You don't have to wait for anything. So Jan Levanzant, another uh, writer and author and motivational speaker that I have great respect for, says that being stuck is mental, emotional, and a physical experience. There are three reasons why we get stuck. One is one, we don't know who we really are. So if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're capable love and you have limited perception of yourself. Number two is when you don't want to find out who you are because you won't take the risk to push yourself beyond what you know. You stay stuck on your story, you stay stuck on your sadness, you stay where you are comfortable and familiar and you don't want to know if you can actually do it because pushing yourself is just too hard. Number three, she says, is living down to other people's expectations. Not living up, but surrounding yourself with people who are constantly questioning your abilities and telling you that your dreams are too big. And so you end up living down to other people's expectations. Robin Sharma says, you may have forgotten the truth. You have a hero inside of you. Little children always have big dreams. The world teaches us to be average. Don't dream too big. Be like everyone else. Don't trust your instincts anymore. Stop thinking outside of the box. Don't dare you will be hurt. Forget that deep inside of you lives a hero who wants to do something great with your life, wants to inspire others, wants to be creative. The fact that you are alive today means that you are someone special, that there is a mighty call on your life to do something. You've got to simplify what is the one thing that if I focus on today, it will have an impact and start a ripple effect. So we're going to move on to scripture. We're going to talk about making the most out of every day. I found so many, but I picked out a few that I really liked. The first is Hebrews 12:11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Ephesians 5:15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. And again, that's about living up to potential. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. John 9, 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Proverbs 24, the sluggard does not plow in the autumn. He will seek harvest and have nothing. Psalm 90:12. so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And I love Colossians 3:23. whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for man. 
So Eric Butterworth has a whole series of talks, Essays on Abundant Living, and he talks a whole lot about living up to your potential and not getting stuck. Um, he talks about dinosaurs as our dreams that we leave dormant. Uh, he reminds us about the work of William James. William James said, procrastination is an attitude's natural assassin. There's nothing so fatiguing as an uncompleted task. So the dinosaur eggs are yesterday's plans in which fulfillment has been thwarted. The desires and ideals that have been postponed and neglected through procrastination. One may hold ideals, wishes, hopes, and plenty of good ideas, but sink under the challenge of overcoming inertia. William James continues, sees the very first possible opportunity to act on every resolution you make and on every emotional prompting you may experience. That's your intuition. The important thing is to get started to begin is half the battle. The major cause for procrastination, this is Butterworth, says feeling we are oppressively weighed down by all that we have to do. Things accumulate not only on our desks and in our closets, but also in our minds. Paul said, but this one thing I do. In Ecclesiastes, he said, for everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. To overcome procrastination, eliminate certain concepts from our minds. Those two concepts are someday and tomorrow. He says these are binding concepts that limits one who practices them. It implies that God's idea, man, is lacking. It's dependent upon the external things, other people, other conditions, the physical self, the passing of time. There is no future tense in the eternal now of the infinite mind. The only demonstration there is, ever was, or ever will be is God's, and that is right now. Determine that now is the time. Remember there is nothing futuristic about your oneness with God. Before Abraham was, I am. Build on this realization. Affirm your unity, your oneness, not as something you might have, but which is the very foundation of your life right now. Divine order is established in my life and affairs. I think clearly and act decisively, and I'm prompt to do the things that should be done by me. So I thought about procrastination a lot when I was getting for this talk, and I realized that there are some things I just don't want to do, like vacuuming and scrubbing the floors. And it's not laziness. It's what Butterworth talked about, that there's just too much on my plate, that there's too little free time. Remember that we always have to balance our free time with our play time, with our work time, and with our chore time. Sometimes things are just frustrating that we have to do, but we have to do them if we want to have our lives be in balance. So most things I procrastinate on are really big things, and they're things that I don't do because of anxiety or fear or cost, things like the dentist or doctors. So I used to have a very bad dental phobia. It was actually so bad that I would pass out when I got into the dentist chair, and I had to go through a number of different dentists. They wouldn't work on me because I, the apprehension and the anxiety was so overwhelming for me um, that I would actually pass out. I've learned to get past all that, but I still tend to put off those things just because they're so hard and difficult for me. And what I've really noticed when I look back on them that, is that there is a huge sense of accomplishment when I actually do them, a sense of accomplishment when I am so proud of myself and I always end up asking myself why did I wait so long I could have just gotten it done and gotten it over with like I said for me it's torture if I have this thing hanging over my head that I know that I have to do and I'm not doing it every single day I'm giving myself all these reasons it's easier to just do it and get it done mostly I remember how each day is an incredible gift 
I am depriving myself of joy when I torture myself by not doing the things that need to get done. I'm walking around with this heavy backpack on and I realize I can just make a decision to take it off. I really like the notion that the only demonstration of who we are manifesting ourselves as God's idea is right here and right now. We are showing up as God. God doesn't want us walking around with a huge big backpack on. Let's remember always to ease on down the road and not carry anything that will be a load. Don't you carry nothing that'll be a load. And so it is. Remember at all times the power is in you. It always has been and it always will be. I would really like to hear your comments. Please let me know what it is that you procrastinate on. And if you like this talk, please do subscribe and please share it with anybody that you think would benefit from this information. I send you on your way with many blessings. Thank you so much.